Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. You know, I'm going to be talking about something today that you're going to really have a hard time uh, uh, determining or understanding how this fits into what the series is this week until we get into it. But today I'm talking about creating the world in our image. You know, uh, some of you don't know who Jethro Tull was, but on Jethro Tull was a rock and roller back in the 60s, and on the back of one of his albums, I don't remember which one, you know, he, he made this statement. He said, God created the world in his own image, and then man returned the favor. And what he was saying is, is that man has created a concept of God that has nothing to do with who God revealed himself to be, but man wanted a God that was like himself. And so, I thought that was always thought that was really kind of interesting for Jethro Tull to have that a rock and roller to have that on the back of his image. I mean, back of one of his albums. Of course, that's one of the reasons that that the '60s generation was totally lost on God. You know, all the hippies and all the people that were doing all these crazy things back in the '60s could have easily been one to God if the church had not been so religious, because the hippies were done with. You know, the, the, uh, just the hypocrisy of government, the hypocrisy of religion, the double standards, the corruption, all that kind of stuff. And actually the Jesus movement, which became the most influential movement to happen in America in the last probably 100 years, was all about the hippies who, who were trying to free themselves from the entanglements of, of, of corruption and uh, found Jesus and, and, and boom, suddenly you have, you have one of the most incredible movements that ever happened in the world. But I could talk about that. I could talk about church history and all that for quite a while, but I, w- I want to talk about this whole concept of creating the world in our image. Now, I've said this dozens, if not hundreds of times. I say this all the time. The greatest theological misunderstanding that probably negatively affects more people in the world than any other doctrine is the doctrine uh, of sovereignty. Now, the word sovereignty, if you use, you know, God is sovereign. If you use the true definition of the, of the concept of sovereignty, then, then you're good. But, you know, really all sovereignty means is that God is one who acts uh, without being influenced by any outside sources. No outside sources cause him to act. But we have, re- we have redefined sovereignty to say that, re- that sovereignty is that, that God is in control and that God can do anything that he wants to. Well, both of those are totally scripturally incorrect. Number one, God can't do anything that he wants to. Uh, well, let me put it this way. He can't do anything he wants to if that means he's going to violate his word, violate any of his promises, violate any of his character, violate anything that he's ever said. Once God, by his own will, by his own choice, once God establishes something as being truth, as being reality, then God cannot violate that. God keeps the same commandments that he tells us to keep in the way that he relates to us. And, and you, know, you want to know who God is? Discover justice from the Old Testament and stop reading it in a legalistic way. Uh, as a matter of fact, that brings me to this. You know, I have got a book 
that you can get you can you can buy it if you want uh you know paperback copy of it you can purchase the uh uh, uh the audio book but if you want it for free you can download my book on god's wisdom for a fair and just world and you can be reading that tonight and i'm telling you it will open your eyes number one to the character and nature of God in a phenomenal way, but also to how our world has gotten so far off course. And it is great supplemental material for this particular series that we're reading today. Now, uh, you know, I've been studying quantum science for golly, at least 30 years. And, uh, I, and the thing that intrigued me with quantum science, and, and you know, uh, let me just say this, the church was closed to it, said it was of the devil and all that kind of stuff for, you know, for decades. Now, now what's going to happen is the church is going to embrace it and they're going to run off the rails to the other extreme with it, or a lot of people are, and I'm, I'm sad to see that. But, but uh, you know, I always go back to Max, Max Planck's uh, uh, acceptance speech when he won the Nobel Peace Prize, I think it was in 1927, and I'm paraphrasing here, these are not his exact words, but they're pretty close. Max Planck said that, that uh, uh, we are not observing, observing the world. We are in an interplay with the world, the world, the universe, you know, create all of cre what we would call creation, um, is changing and is becoming what we believe and expect it to be. Now, there is a concept that, that just the terminology is highly debated among ancient uh, Hebrew scholars, but it is very clear in the scripture uh, it, unless you twist the, the meaning of it. But one of the things that the Bible shows us is the fact that man is in fact a co-creator with God. And I used to always say back when I first started finding all this stuff in quantum science, you know, I would say, you know, finally science is catching up with the Bible. You know, the whole concept of quantum science says that, first of all, the world or, or, or all the universe cannot, cannot exist in the absence of intelligent life observing it. Well, if that's the case, then that means it couldn't have come into existence, existence apart from uh, in intelligent life. And so, so we understand in quantum science that, that the universe is in an, is in an inter interplay with human life, intelligent life. And now the Bible presents a concept that the Hebrews embraced, the Sadducees really had problems with this, that man was in fact a co-creator with God. Now, if you take that right on face value, you can go to some really crazy places with it. But keep in mind, they made a distinction between the phases of creation because, because you know, initially, in the first phase of creation, God created something from nothing. And the Hebrew word for that is totally different uh, than the Hebrew word for what gets created or made from the invisible uh, that then becomes visible. So God is the only one that has created something from nothing. But once God created man and put man here on planet Earth and gave man authority in planet Earth, a matter of fact, gave man authority over all of planet Earth, then from that point on, man becomes a creator. Now, again, he's not making something from nothing. He is, he is making the visible or creating the invisible, uh, uh, or excuse me, creating the visible from the invisible. Now, 
I mean, the book of Hebrews tells us that. Hebrews says, by faith we understand that the things which are visible are made from the things which are unseen, which are, which are invisible. And so with authority here on planet Earth given to man, man had the option. He had the choice of aligning and harmonizing himself with God and creating the world in a way that it would be like it would be about like heaven on earth. That's what that's what Jesus was talking about when he taught taught us about the parables of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Which, by the way, if you want to if you want to understand the biblical concept of how to have heaven here on earth, be sure and check out my book called Heaven on Earth. It's part of a trilogy about kingdom living, and uh, uh, it will take you on a journey of how that works for the new covenant believer. But so we can become co-creators with God. Because we take his word, his values, we take what's important to him, we, we, we take everything, all God's wisdom, and then the decisions that we make uh, here in planet Earth, in our personal lives, but most importantly, in the lives of the way we govern. Now, governing, when we think about governing, we think about just, you know, that's a political thing. Well, no, governing starts with, with governing our own life and, and walking in godliness and then governing how we raise our children, how we train our children, and then, uh, then that branches out until ultimately we, we get into civil government. How, how do we... How how do we create civil order? How do we create a world that's fair, that's just, where where people are safe and where people can can walk with God? Well, that happens by by deliberately becoming a co-creator with God by saying, "Okay, I have authority here on planet Earth, so so I'm the one that has the." The, uh, the right and the responsibility to take action, to shape planet Earth the way God would want it to be shaped so that we actually can have a heaven here on Earth. Or I could be a co-creator with the devil. I could be a co-creator with Satan where I say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to be a god unto myself, and I, you know what? I, I I really think I really think that the world will be more just if we didn't really follow God's word. The world will be more fair if we did not follow God's word. The word would be, you know, all of these things would be more wonderful if we, you know, let's just let's just reject uh, morality. Let's 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 reject. Uh, uh, responsibility. Let's reject all these things, and eventually the world's going to be wonderful because nobody's going to be condemned, and and uh, uh, we'll just let everybody do what they want to. And the world will be a wonderful place of love. No, the more we go in that direction, the more corrupt the world becomes, the more violent the world becomes, the more unstable the world becomes. So we're either going to be a co-creator with God, or we're going to be a co-creator with Lucifer, and we're either going to based on our beliefs and our values, we're either going to create a world that is in harmony with God, or we're going to create a world that's out of harmony with God, which means it is in harmony with the wicked one. Now, I want to show you this. This is this is so incredibly important. And by the way, let me tell you what. I have I probably had more discussions with confused people about this subject than anything else. And I am telling you, you know, I always refer to them as the first two pillars of faith. And the first two pillars of faith is how did God create? What is the biblical account? Do I believe how God created 
the universe and all of creation, and do I believe how God and what God said in, his, in the creation of man? And I'm telling you something. If you don't accept those two, believe those two things, I'm telling you, you'll never be stable in your faith. You'll be up and down. You'll be confused. And you'll find yourself really in conflict with God because, because you'll want something else to be justice. And God says, no, this, this, is, this is what's just. This is what's fair. This is what's merciful. This is what's kind. So I want, to, I want to read an interesting scripture. Man, I, I remember when this scripture blew up in my, in, in my head and my thinking and, uh, uh, and, and really challenged a lot of the beliefs that I was accepting at the time. In the book of Mark, the 12th chapter, we have uh, one of those parables where Jesus really provides kind of an overview uh, to help us understand the bigger picture of the world. And, and he really simplifies it. And he says, uh, it says, Jesus began to speak to them in parables. And he said this, he said, a man planted a vineyard, set a hedge around it, dug a place for the wine vat and built a tower and leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. Now, what you will see as this parable progresses, you will see that this right here is an account of, and an understanding of creation. See, God created the world, but then he leased it out to man, so to speak. He let it out to man. Now, I don't know if you've, you know, if you've done much leasing or not. I don't know if you've ever had a situation where you got in conflict with a landlord. But, uh, you know, when a, when a landlord in, in, in most states, I'm not sure how it is in all states, but, but when you when you lease a house from a landlord, unless you give that landlord permission, he can he or she cannot come into your house. They can't come into your house and inspect it. They can't come into your house to see how clean it is. They actually surrender all rights, unless it's written into the contract, they surrender all rights and you are in absolute control of that property, even though somebody else owns it. So this is, this is the example. This is what God is, is showing us is that God created the world, but then he leased it out. Now, again, once you, know, you, know, once you lease something, then, then you, start, you become the one who is in control uh, of how well it's taken care of. You're the one that is in charge. And so, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to go through this, but then it goes through the account of how that, uh, how that in time that, uh, the the, the uh, owner of the, of the vineyard, he was ready to come and receive the fruit or the wages of the vineyard that was supposed to be given to him and how that, you know, he sent different people which would represent the prophets and how that they were all stoned, they were beat up and they were all, mur and, and some of them were murdered. And so finally he said, well, I'll send my son. And, they, and so then they said, look, we'll kill the son and then the inheritance becomes ours. This is an overview of what happened in planet Earth. God leased out planet Earth to the human race, so to speak. He gave man authority here. Now, he, he, he told us how to turn this into a great world. He told us everything that we would need so that life would be great, so that you know, our children could be safe, so that we could have a peaceful society. But the problem is uh, we didn't trust him. We, we, did, we didn't trust God. Now, you know, I, I, man, alive, this is going to sound so critical. But, you know, I talk to people all the time. I'm, you know, I'm not one of these guys that hide somewhere and never has conversations. I tell you, when I was a pastor, I was always in communication with my people. And, uh, and even now, even though almost everything that I do is, is online, 
I stay in touch with people. I want I want to hear what people are saying. And I want to understand the struggles that people are having. And I'm just I've just got to tell you, I have burned up hours and hours and hours and hours with people over the years that are completely confused. And they're confused because first and foremost, they don't read and believe the Bible. You know, people will call me about all of this, all these political things that are going on. Who's right and who's wrong? It's like, look, you know a tree by the fruit. You know, uh, all you got to do is look at, uh, again, uh, you, you know, you, you look at a group of people that's burning a city down, threatening people's lives, you know, intimidating people, uh, killing people, injuring people, and then they want to say that they're standing for a good cause. They are not standing for a good cause. You know a tree by the fruit, and you know the person by the fruit. You know what's in their heart based on what comes out in their lives and the way they, way they treat people. But I'm telling you, it, it amazes me, and, and I see and hear people really just complaining against God. You know, I've tried everything, I've tried everything. And, you know, you have a conversation with them, and you find out they, they don't even understand, they don't even know who God is. They don't understand, they don't understand anything that I've just told you. And if you do get them to intellectually understand it, they never really do accept if I want a better quality of life, I got, I've got to align myself with God. I've got to align myself with God's wisdom. I've got to make my decisions based on the Word of God. And so we have a generation of people today that honestly, I, I believe many of them, uh, they hunger and thirst, but they don't, they don't hunger and thirst for the God of the Bible. They hunger and thirst for the image of God that they have created in their own mind. Now, <clears throat> in the time that we live in, I, you know, I don't know how far I'll get to go in this because of time, but I want you to stop and think about something. The Bible indicates that we do have a role to play in when Jesus can and will come back to planet Earth. You know, that's another one of those things we've been taught, but based on one scripture, uh, you know, where uh, that we've been taught that you know there is one preset date that that that's when Jesus is going to come back, and only God knows that, and there's nothing we can do about it, nothing we can change about it. And and the real truth is, you got one scripture that you could twist to say that, but really, you got other scriptures that talk about us praying about his return. You, talk, you see other scriptures that talks about things that, will ha that the church will have to do, things that will have to happen in order for Jesus to come back the second time. And so you start looking at these scriptures and say, well, 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 wait a minute. If this is etched in concrete, then that kind of, then, you know, then, then I, I don't do anything. I have no role to play in this. I have no responsibility in this. But then you look at all these other scriptures and say, oh, well, well wait a minute. What is it, that, what is it that, that, that God is waiting on? Well, I'm going I'm to just tell you this. This is, this is my opinion based on many of these scriptures that say that we play a role when Jesus comes back. Well, here is, here is where we get the optimal opportunity to be co-creators in the world and return the world to what it was meant to be uh, before sin and destruction reached the place that it's at today. Because God gave authority to man, planet Earth, 
Therefore, man decides what's going to happen. People are like, oh, God's in control. God's in control. Well, if God's in control, he's a psycho. If God's in control, he, 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 he really has psychiatric problems. If God's in control, he obviously cannot make up his mind about what he wants to do and, and what he doesn't want to do. God is not in control beyond the degree that we yield to him, beyond the degree that we follow him. And that's not just obeying all the rules and obeying all the scriptures. That's about listening to him in every single situation. That, and, and by listening to him and following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, I got news for you. You can avoid almost all of the tragedies of life and you can really live a relatively peaceful life. But as long as you want to be in control and you know you you want you you want things to go the way you want things to go to get what you want to get to make you happy, then you know what you get from that? You get the world that we now have. And so and so God can only function in planet Earth to the degree that people facilitate it because he gave us authority and planner. People don't like that. People, religious people hate that. You know why? Because it speaks of responsibility. It talks about, talks about you know, the part that falls on us. It talks about what we've got to do to make things work. Well, <clears throat> when Jesus comes back, he, he's going to come back at the time when you know, we go through what the Bible calls the beginning of sorrows, and then we go through what the Bible calls the, uh, uh, the tribulation of the Antichrist, when we fall into the worst tribulation that the world has ever been in. And, and in fact, the book of Revelation even teaches us that many people are going to blame God for that. You know, the, the world is not going to say, oh, well, well, here we are in this mess because, of, because we've been wicked. Here we are because we've been unfair. Here we are because we've been unjust. Here we are because we've rejected the word of God. No, 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 no. Not going to be any of that. It's going to be, why is God letting this happen? Because God is sovereign. He's in control of everything. And the Bible talks about how there's going to be a great falling away somewhere in that process of time. And I'm convinced that the great falling away is primarily going to be because people do not see God as he described himself. They do not see man as God described man. They don't see man as having, as having authority here on planet Earth. And they're going to buy into all of this religious nonsense that has been taught and preached for you know, the last 1,800 years or so. Now, Jesus didn't preach any of that stuff. Jesus didn't teach any of that stuff. Jesus taught about the authority of the believer. He taught about using the keys of the kingdom uh, to open, open doors, close doors, make things happen, and bring the world in harmony with God. So what's going to happen when the world suffers to such a point that is unbearable, then finally... Man is going to say, uh, you know what? We, we, we need Jesus to come back. And when, when, and I don't understand all the dynamics of this. All I can say is I know there's some power in collective faith. And, and I'll tell you, when, a, when enough believers in the world want Jesus to come back, you know, it's kind of interesting. The Bible says that, that he's going to appear the second time to those who love his appearing. You know, I, I don't really meet people that would love for him to appear today. They're like, no, 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 no. You know, I want to do this before I go. I want, you know, this and that and this and that. My kids don't know the Lord and all that kind of stuff. Well, he's going he's gonna to appear a second time to those who love his coming, who love his appearing. And the Bible talks about 
how the Spirit and the bride say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. There's going to come a time when we realize God is not the cause of all, all of these problems, that we have participated in creating this world of wickedness because we have abandoned God. We have primarily abandoned God's justice. And we have believed that our We've hoped in our lawmakers, we've hoped in our politicians, and, and we have believed that politicians, lawmakers, judges, we believe that all of these people are more merciful, more kind, and more righteous than God. And, you know, the book of Job talks about that, talks about, you know, even God, you know, as Job, is, is it right that you think that you're more righteous than I am, that you're more fair than I am? Well, we do think that we're more fair than God. If we thought God was more fair, then we would apply his word to our lives. We would apply his word to our civil and social justice. We would apply his word to what we allow our children to be taught. We would apply his word to who, who we're going to vote for. You know, it's kind of interesting. And, and, you know, I've got some great, great, great friends that really see God and see politics, especially, very, very, very differently than I do. Now, what's interesting you know, most of my friends that are in that kind of condition, they always come to me when they want help when they're in trouble. And, and so, you know, you, you want to help them. But in order to help them, you've got to bring them to the truth. And they've got to accept the truth. And they've, they've got to surrender their life, the Lordship of Jesus, and be willing to walk in his ways. Be willing to follow the path that, you know, that he is trying to take us in so that we can create a, a fair and just world. And that's what God wants us to have is this fair and just world. But the real truth is uh, they very rarely do. They, they, they so, oh, oh, no, I, I, I don't believe that. Well, I'm not asking you to believe what I believe. I'm asking you to read the Bible and see if what you believe actually lines up with the Bible. And, and when... Well, particularly with what's coming up in the world in this election, you know, one of the things that people have been challenged about, I've talked a lot about socialism and, and a lot about the corruption, you know, in government, on both sides of the government. I'm not saying it's just one party. But, but it, it, you know, people say, well, well, I'm not a socialist. Well, it's like, well, I'm not saying that you're a socialist uh, because of the political party you might be affiliated with. I'm, I'm saying, do you vote for people that support and promote socialist ideas because socialist ideas are anti-Christ ideas. They're anti-God, anti-Bible, and they're the kind of lies that, that have gotten us here. So here we are. We're, we're, we're in this mess, but nobody wants to say, you know what, we, we, we can do something about this. But in order to do something about it, we've got to accept some kind of responsibility for how we got here. You know, Psalm 82 was one of the Psalms that Jesus quoted, which really pushed the religious community over the edge and, and really brought about the final plan to murder him, to assassinate him. And, and, and talking Psalm 92, you know, Jesus referred to, they said they want to go kill him, that they were going to kill him because he was implying that he was the Son of God. And he said, well, doesn't the Scripture say that... that and doesn't God himself call you gods? No, that's obviously not gods in the idolatrous sense. And in Psalm 82, you know, Jesus goes through this thing, or excuse me, the Bible goes through this thing of talking about the very reason the foundation of the world is destroyed is because we're supposed to be ruling and reigning here in righteousness, but instead 
We want it to create a world in our own image. We want it to create a world that gave us permission to be wicked and ungodly and immoral. We want to create a world where our standards and values replace the standards and values of God. Like I say, we can change this. As a matter of fact, we can usher in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we can't change the future or the present until we're willing to accept responsibility for our role in letting us get to where it is. I, I encourage you to read Psalm 82. Now listen, I got to run. Be, be sure and check out my series on this about the justice of God. Be sure and get the free booklet on the justice of God. And more than anything, make up your mind that you want to be a fair and just person, but you're going to let God establish what fair and just needs to look like in your life. Listen, I appreciate you guys being here every single week. I uh, appreciate the, the fact that many of you have just, have been praying for me. You knew, you know I went through a health crisis, but uh, I'm really, really, really doing well. But I appreciate the fact you're standing with me. But listen, I want you to know who you are in Jesus. I want you to know that we can usher in the return of the Lord Jesus. We can turn the world around. Listen, I'll be talking to you again next week. Be sure and join me. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.